Hey, hoodlums, this is Lanise, the host of High and Mighty, the podcast for your political potheads. Today, we're joined by Kika Keith, the founder at Social Equity Owners and Workers Association, and also the CEO of Gorilla RX, a dispensary now open on Crenshaw Boulevard. It's great to talk with you again, Kika. What have you been up to? You busy lady? Lanise, I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be on this podcast. Yeah, I, I had no idea that um, community work involves making a podcast but you know they said you, you gotta tell the people what you're up to you gotta talk to the people and they're like do podcasts these days to do that so here we are uh, so so thank you for joining us on this journey yeah I'm, I'm following following your lead always i remember from coming up to visit you and you were the only known model for a social <laughs> equity incubator up in oakland in 2017 so um, I, I love that you're always setting the pace uh, for us. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been, I've had, definitely had some squad members and, and it's, it's been a journey. Um, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Um, and, it's, and I know you've learned a lot and you've had a journey. So I just want to take some time today so we can talk about our our, our individual and collective journeys and um, yes. maybe some folks out there and podcast land, one of our uh, political pop friends uh, can learn something useful uh, wherever they find themselves uh, wanting to get involved in cannabis justice. So I just yes. want to start with something something recent. Um, you've you've celebrated a big win recently, right? Can you can you share uh, with us what that is? Yes, we're we're two months in uh, to the opening of Gorilla RX Wellness Co. Uh, we were the first African-American woman to open up in Los Angeles after a long, hard fought battle over the past three years um, to get a social equity license. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So you said three months? Uh, this is this has been two months, two months, two months. Yeah, two okay. months, in. So two months, that's 60 days. So that 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 there's so much to learn. So just on the business side. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what has been the most surprising thing that you were like, you, you weren't expecting this? Like, it could be as silly as the amount of toilet paper we go through or paper clips. Yeah. But what, what, is, what has surprised <laughs> you the most where you, you've noticed that you're like, huh, I wouldn't have thought about that. Um, I, I, I didn't know how many little uh, expenses there were that added up to big hundreds of thousands. Mm. Um. I didn't have a clue. And I tell you, I talked to a lot of different mentors in the industry, asked the people at checklists, read all kinds of stuff on the internet. Um, but, but nothing prepared me for that pathway. Once we were even granted the license um, and then had to get the property ready mm -hmm. and um, all the way to now opening, you know, the other day there was a flood and all <laughs> All the water is coming down from the lights and the ceilings from the apartment complex above. You've been open two months. Come you on, man. A flood? Hey, what? Um, not a flood, but but I'm, sorry, but, I'm but, dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> a tsunami. But I mean, to the point that the manager caught up. Like, I think we need to shut down the store, right? And so then you don't think of oh, shit. I don't have no. Um, can I cuss on you? I, I think so. Uh, everyone else has been doing it, so okay. if we can't. He'll gonna bleep us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, dang, you gotta have the emergency plumber, electricians. You know, I have people that came in 
and build out the place, but, you know, didn't think about these after once you're open. Um, and so, yeah, to, to me, that's a thing that, um, you know, was the beauty and the quest for myself and my team to be ready and prepared to be the first, not to say that took the, you know, the, the flag that we're the first, but to actually say that, listen, this is way to do it or not to do it. And we really felt an obligation um, to create a model and, and be able to then go back and say to those that are right behind us, don't do it this way. You're going to save a hundred thousand if you just do this because nobody mm -hmm. did that for us. And, you know, it's great to have the licensing opportunity, but can you operate past a year? Um, and to me, that will be the true testament of social equity and nobody bears that obligation better than the, the owners and the ones that are in it. And so, um, yeah, these are the pieces that um, fortunately um, we were prepared and I did have the team to be able to weather all these little trials that you could never expect. So uh, what is the name of your dispensary and, and where would one uh, find it if they're looking for dispensed goods? Yeah, we're um, Gorilla RX. We're located on the historic Crenshaw Boulevard, right in the Baldwin Hills, the Merritt Park Village area um, and a good you know, 15 minutes from LAX. So this has um, become a destination point for black people, especially as um, we've been celebrating. You know, it's rare to say that I'm the first is a, is a problem, you know, when there's already 200 um, retail stores open in LA. Um, you know, there needs to be more of us, but what has happened is it's been celebrated. I call it the house that people built because as we had to fight for three years, and I mean fight, organize, um, hit city hall, hit city council meetings, all of the like, um, it was really the community that each, at each and every point came behind and stood, and it became something more than a fight for Kika to open up her dispensary, um, but to make sure that more than just Kika across the finish line, and it has been a real community effort. And, um, you know, one of the, 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 the amazing things about the projects that you're working on is that it's not just uh, your for-profit Gorilla RX that mm -hmm. down historic um, uh, Crenshaw Boulevard, but what else do you have in, going on in the historic Crenshaw Boulevard? Yeah, we're um, preparing to open up a training center, um, workforce development in particular, um, because one thing that we see you know, aside from opening our stores, we have 20 employees right now um, and folks that come from the community. But the selection is slight, you know, getting qualified people who know the POS systems, who know the operating procedures, who know the compliance, who know the products that are on the shelves. And so it was really important, um, you know, using the whole McDonald's University model or Toyota way, right? Um, how do we create um, you know, a whole enterprise that allows us to train the people in the community. And those are the same people that will become our em employment force from entry level to the bud tenders all the way up to the management. But even bigger than just us, once again, for the greater um, industry, you know, L.A. has the social equity workers mandate. And I really encourage folks that are in um, other jurisdictions when they're starting up these social equity programs to mandate it with all of the license holders have to have at least 10% social equity workers, people who are ex-felons, people who are on um, government assistance, single mothers, where they're supposed to be a workforce. But if nobody's training them, um, 
they can easily say they don't find any qualified black and brown people or those that were harmed by the war on drugs. And so it was really important. And that's what we've led with. Um, I came into this dispensary um, educating the community members for free and, and helping them with licensing so that we could create a way. And so now it's just the next level. Now we have our licenses. We got to have people who are qualified to work and manage our properties. Nice. And and I was just having a conversation with someone today that um, runs a co-packing business up in the Bay, 60 employees. Yeah. And, and they were just talking about uh, their, their struggle with just um, finding employees that can show up to work mm-hmm. on time. Yeah. Uh, let alone at all. Um, and then the uh, uh, challenge they're having with uh, uh, maintaining uh, competent management staff, like shift lead staff. Yes. And yes. so when I, we were talking about the focuses that the hood incubator has for our workforce development, mm-hmm. uh, which which uh, didn't include uh, uh, his needs were at the time, he he kind of mentioned, you know, well, shift shift lead is something that we really need. Like we could find a yes. great packager or whatever, but then comes time for management and you try to um uh promote from within and then you you find you know that you know um you know so they're not interested in that type of role or it's just not going to work out and then you, you, you in the, you know he's he's looking to hire um two pretty much three people for three dollars and thirty dollars an hour right now in mm-hmm. the bay area in oakland and i'm like you're having trouble finding someone for three dollars an hour and 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 that to me is crazy. But if um, I mean, I always thought that uh, you know folks apply for jobs that they're not qualified for all the time. But apparently, mm-hmm. in this industry, folks are not applying for jobs they're not qualified for, or they're not able to maintain the job. But I, yes, it's crazy. That's a good job. Yeah, um, you know, this cannabis industry is the fastest growing workforce. Um, and you're right, where are the qualified people coming from? And because it's a brand new industry in this manner from from the, the regulated side, um, where do the people come from with experience? And so that's why it's really important. The training center that we're building out is this model specifically for retail, but it was a, an abandoned dispensary. Um, and so, you know, it's one thing learning by the books and learning through these internet videos, but that doesn't help you when you go to actually work the job. And so, you know, we want to use a unique model of, you know, a practical application um, and create a mock dispensary where, um, you know, students will actually be trained on the actual POS systems, actually learning the products, bringing up the products, even from the management side. Um, and so these are the solutions that we have in our community when we look at our fight that we did, Lanise Hood Incubator, you know, um, the different organizations from Northern and Southern California got together with the California Cannabis Equity Association. Um, and I think our, our, our position has to be to come up with practical ideas that really start effectuating um, folks in our community and then get the funding. This funding keeps going to these local jurisdictions. That was an important fight that we began to look at having qualified nonprofits and community organizations that know the needs of the community, know how to teach the life development skills, not just the practical or the business skills, but the things that'll make sure that that employee or that manager comes to work on time. Um, we're best qualified and yet these funds are not available for community and organizations. And then they give it to these local jurisdictions and then the local jurisdictions yes. turn around and, and put out an RFP. 
into yeah. now you're just, you're just like losing money off top because you know yeah. the, 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 the local jurisdiction of course has to take their cut for administrative for the administrative fees of, of of executing the program you know it costs money to to put out an rfq and then and then oversee it and so if you just skip that part they're not doing uh -huh. it themselves anyway yeah, so I think that was one of the things that um, CCEA uh, really yeah. um, has been looking at. But you know, um, CCEA also, um, I mean, we didn't really like, you know, we didn't stop. You know, we sometimes used to be working and working, whatever. You don't really stop and celebrate. But yeah, I think we had a a, a win to celebrate if we would have stopped. Do you want to share one of the wins we actually did have as, as a as a crew? Yeah, one of the big wins was getting that extra $50 million allocated uh, to social equity to uh, Senator Stephen Bradford. Uh, exactly. We organized, yeah, we organized that press conference and went hard and even lobbied up to that point. Um, and, and that was major. Uh, you're right. I, I <laughs> was major. Celebrate that win. No, and, and actually, I mean, like, I feel like we should probably go back and get that text group um, back popping okay. um, because it is a important part of, of any campaign. Uh, the, the debrief, but the, not even the debrief, but the celebration. So definitely yes. to put that on the list um, to to, um, to to reach out so we could do that. But I remember um, like yesterday, look, I got a phone call from you and you were like, Denise, I got an idea. I, I got to do this thing. Um, you know, like, you know, everyone all over the states got the same issues. I think we got to yeah. come together. And I was like, bet. Because I was like, this is this is. I felt like this yes. is our moment. This is exactly what's happening. Like everyone's realizing that we're going to be stronger together um, yeah. than than we are separately. And um, so what happened? We came together, and what what in one one year? Not even a not even a it's one year, and in one legislative cycle. Yeah, uh, in California, what and, and and what we were saying, we want because we want what what was the um tell that fifty extra fifty million. Give the con can you share a little bit more about the context between how much uh, was in that budget that they were going to be spending on enforcement versus how much yeah. was that they were dedicating to equity and just just the process because remember how we had to go to the to the governor's office and to the to the senator's office and everyone was saying everyone everyone else was the one that was responsible so just give a share out for the people out there in podcast then our political pot friends um, just the shenanigans and, and hoops we had to do. Um, and, oh, and, yeah. and tell them where it started off at. Where was the numbers when we started? Let's just, just, just break it down for us. Yeah, oh man. I, <laughs> you know, I hope my memory serves me correctly. You know, you're right. It feels like it was so <laughs> long ago. Um, but I, I, where it started from, like you said, on that phone call was after speaking with groups in Fresno in Oakland and Sacramento and San Francisco and all of the social equity applicants were calling on and asking, how do we file a lawsuit against our, our local jurisdictions? Because this is not right what's happening. These funds that are being allocated, we're not getting it for technical assistance. We're not getting access to capital. So we see the funds, I believe it was close, it was over 180 million were allocated to policing. Um, I think and yet at the time, maybe it was like, 15 million that had yep. gone um, at the state budget for social equity. Um, and so we just, everyone was like, that's it. We're fed up. This is enough. And the beautiful part about it was it was the first time there's always been, you know, Northern California is up here, Southern California, you know, we all speak to each other in passing, but um, we all were at the same level of fed upness, <laughs> for lack of a better word. 
And we unified on that. Um, and we organized in a very short period of time. And it did take us, you know, um, uh, bringing on a lobbyist that assisted us with um, knocking on doors with the different assembly members, the different senators, and making the pitch to them, telling them the importance of it. Lobbying with Senator Bradford and letting him know the importance and that we were here to support him putting the pressure on to get more budget allocated for social equity. Um, and that it was at unity. Um, all egos were left aside. If people had issues with each other, that was left aside. And we were all stomping on one accord. And we convened um, at the state capitol um, in the midst of COVID. Um, and so the, beauty, the beautiful part about that, too, is we didn't have hundreds of people. You know, it was a good 25 of us that went up there and represented and organized that. And Senator Bradford spoke. And we were all in one accord about what our demands were. And then right after that, we followed that up. Um, oh, yeah, we, we followed that up. With yeah, I remember <laughs> all the work we did now. You yeah, have in that moment. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what we won. We went hard. Yeah, we went hard, right? Uh, we even put the state on notice. That we were willing to file a lawsuit against the state of California. Oh, oh I actually uh, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we hired yes. an attorney and we sent that, that attorney sent that letter um, because it was that serious, um, especially when yes. we saw those numbers about um, policing. Um, and, you know, when you get to the point where you feel like, what the hell else do we have to lose? We ain't getting shit out of this social equity, nothing. Um you know, we unified with that energy, but we came hard. We came with the talking points. We came with the research. We came with the facts and we came in unison and um, we got the results that, that we stomped for. And that was that additional $50 million. And that's historical. Um, and so, you know, I just want to I just want to say it here, say it. I don't know if I'm going to say it first because that's not important. I just want to make sure it's it's, it's officially said. Uh, and I consider you the birth mother of CCEA because, you know, like <laughs> I got the call. You said I'm, I, everyone's trying to do this thing. I think we need to do it together. And I mean, that's and that's 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 just like how organizing and the thing that I love about cannabis is that, like, there have been times when I've thrown a cannabis events or just or just through the campaigns you're working on. I've had the opportunity to look around the room and be like, if it wasn't for a weed, there's mm -hmm. no reason why any of us, but all of us would be in this room mm -hmm. because the way life normally works, we would not be talking to each other because yeah. you know, the regular, you know, playground click stuff, you know, like yeah. those groups would be over there with each other. It, 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 but like <laughs> cannabis, all of a sudden there's some weed in the room and you, you got people of different races, different class levels, mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. ability levels, languages, just somehow communicating, hanging out, chilling. Um, yes. And and, and 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 I think that's a beautiful thing. And 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 for this particular movement of, of of bringing us together for the state cannabis equity alliance, um, you really helped uh, 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 spearhead that. So I just want to think. I know it wasn't you because I don't want to. Um, I don't want to like, you know say that it was you alone and I'd be like, yeah. like what about about me? We all know every, <laughs> it was a lot of people, folks that did work. But by the yes. end of the day, we, we know that there was a lot of enthusiasm and 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 and, and organizing that that you did. And so the, I say that one of the things that's so crazy is that a lot of folks who were just trying to sell weed um, became politicians. Hey, so, so for tell me real. A bit, 
about the ways that cannabis uh, has made you more civically engaged? What? I mean, for real, I've been denying it for a minute. But <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. I definitely feel like I'm a for real lobbyist. Um, I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is my first, fourth business. Um, and I've never had to be politically engaged. Um, my dad has all kinds of degrees in political science. I've been aware of it, conscious of it. Um, but I've also seen how, you know, I've been one of those black people who have been like, what are the effects of it? And I've strayed away from being involved in politics. And then um, I quickly learned as, as soon as I started and started going to the first couple of city council meetings. I was like, this shit is designed to fail. I remember when Kat Packer, who's now the executive director for the DCR, um, and when she was a drug policy alliance and actually... She was, was the one that, yeah, she was the one that sparked my interest um, in understanding that this was a political game. I remember going to one meeting and I remember early, early days, like Bradford and Assemblyman, Reginald Jones Sawyer and our councilmen, mm -hmm. the black, the black ones um, were coming into the community and they were holding these events, these like town hall meetings about cannabis and, you know, the hype speech was that you know black people you weren't a part of no other industry this is your time you know basically like sell the sell the house um you need oh to get God. into this and i mean it, it was electric and it was riveting because these are well-spoken politicians their orders and um to hear that come from them um there was something you know the hope we've always hoped for reparations uh, we've always hoped for some sort of economic justice um, forever. Um, and they were selling this and I never, I never heard no politician speak on something like this. That, that sparked my interest, uh, to the point that I, I had a beverage company. I went inactive on the shelves of Whole Foods. I was in over 300 stores. I bet everything on the hype that was surrounding this. And I remember probably about my third or fourth meeting, um, you know, and these were randomly pop up California Minority Alliance used to do these meetings all over. And Kat Packer was sitting up there and she was young. She was with the Joe Policy Institute and she was one of the panelists. And man, she ran down these statistics of, you know, the criminalization and the economics. And she just knew her shit and the policies so incredible i'm mean, after that meeting i went up to her and gave her my card and it's early stage i don't have no business i was still doing my beverage company i was just exploring stuff and um i went up to her. i was like if you need any assistance i would love to learn what you know um and that's what sparked my interest to know that this was a political process um and little did i know later after we were on many stakeholder working groups that she would become the executive um, director. Um, but yeah, so then I realized that and I knew, well, I'm not a lobbyist and I don't have a lot of money. So how am I going to effectuate policy? Well, shit, I got to get my people to come down to these meetings with me. By this time, it's only three or four of us in these meetings. Yes. Then you went for the people power. Is that, is that, yeah. oh, I, I know where she's going. Is that how we get to the, 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 the infamous story of the lawsuit? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. I sped it up. Slow, slow it down. Slow it down. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us something. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. So um. Yeah. That was that was the setup. I just knew like, oh man, they got to be more of us. I'm sitting in these rooms like. This shit is designed to fail. Oh, this is the biggest. This is a Trojan horse. I'm like, every meeting I'm going to, I'm like, oh, man, this is a setup. So then I would go back into the community in the Merritt Park to the little coffee shops. And I would just start talking to people like, yo, you guys, we've got to get together on this. We got to go come down to the city council meeting with me. And uh, that's how it started. And every time we would get information um, we create cliff notes for the regulations. We go back and we started organizing different groups and people, the Sheree Franklins, the Cheryl Branches, and start doing these mm-hmm. workshops and learning more. But we're teaching ourselves at this point. The city doesn't have no money for technical assistance. The $10 million budget that was meant for social equity. Money. Yep, it did it. At $10 million that was for social equity, the city diverted to um, police enforcement in 2018. So it, we, it was a necessity, right? Um, and, you know, once we started doing that, well, we weren't charging for this, but people were now stopping. Now we had talking points. We were saying the same thing. Time is going by, more time. So people are getting more agitated. We getting get more people behind us. The team is building. And the one thing that I said, because we we always heard about these golden tickets in L.A., and I'm sure every city you'll hear somebody talking about some politician promising some placement or licenses long before the licensing process (laughs) started. (laughs) And I heard it too many times. A lot of folks have bridges to sell in this cannabis industry. You know what I'm saying? For real. I heard it too many times. Well, I'm coming in naive. I know about (laughs) this shit. I didn't know about none of that kind of stuff. And then I, but then I started feeling slighted. I, I began to have a little vendetta. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I just went inactive on these shelves because I was believing this is some hype. Oh, hell no. Nah. Y'all not to break it red. And so I knew the goal was get as many people ready to go across the finish line so that if we ever, ha- and I'm thinking this back in 2017 or 2018, if we ever have to file a lawsuit against the city of LA, we're going to put everything in binders and we're going to package everybody. And um, in that process, we built a lot of loyalty and trust in the community um, mm-hmm. because we weren't asking for money to give them the information. We were helping them. Or we, we were referring people. We were building up. We were building up our army. And um, lo and behold, two years later, 2019 roll around after two years of delays. I'm paying $12,000 a month in rent on an empty building. You got mothers and daughters who sold their grandparents' house. They inherited to get commercial properties. They about to go on foreclosure. These stories were common. And so um, come the time they finally opened it, the city of LA opted on a first come first serve. So it was like if you were trying to get a pair of Nikes, you know, at 10 AM it drops. Um, the city screwed it up and they let somebody in. They let not somebody later come to find out they left 200 and over 200 plus people in early on a system that your number, the top 100 was based on your time. Um, and so because we supported the community so much as it started unfolding um, after it was open, we happened to be in the room with the guy that got in 10 minutes early. We had a screen recording of his computer 
application process that showed he got in 10 minutes early. We had screen recordings of another 10 to 15 applicants that showed there were no bot protections, no capture requests. Um, so people were, you know, just cheating, basically. Um, and we filed a lawsuit against the city of L.A. Um, and we she were did. able to build up a case because we had so many people that were able to give us all of their evidence and were able to join in. They donated money from $10 up to $1,000. We hired mm. an attorney. We formed the Social Equity Owners and Workers Association because we wanted to do it as one body, not as any individual, but representative of the social equity owners and workers in the community. And um, yeah, the city ended up settling and they settled for, um, we dropped the lawsuit they settled for 100 additional retail social equity licenses. Um, and yeah, myself and 99 other people were able to open our doors. So, so while you were on a journey to fight for what you want for yourself. Yes. Um, because you took the strategy of of working with others that you knew had the same goal as you and dream as, as you. Yes. You were able to get what you wanted. Yes. And you opened the door for 99 other people. Yeah. That's our moral obligation. If we're getting in on social equity licensing, because you don't have, you can be black and apply for a general license. You can be Latino and apply for a general license. That's right. But if in fact you take the advantages of the prioritization and whatever else comes with you getting a social equity license, you have a higher moral obligation to the fact that too many of our brothers and sisters are too, are still locked up, have died on the streets. Too many of our children are with parents are without parents or in the foster care system. Too many of us are below the poverty rate because of this, that it is our responsibility. If we are one of the blessed ones and they call it a lottery ticket sometimes, um, because so many people are fighting for the limited amount of licenses. If, in fact, you're blessed to get one or be a part of it, you have a moral obligation um, to make sure that more than yourself are blessed by the opportunity in whatever way, whether you're hiring people from the community, whether you're using auxiliary workers and marketing teams that are that look like us. And most of all, when you create a, a really comprehensive community benefits plan and really reinvest and do something to change your community and your block. Um, there shouldn't be any other type of social equity applicant. I, 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 I feel you. And, and, you know, that's why I would say like, I, I I've been drawn to you and, and your style of leadership. Um, uh, before I knew about organizing and I know there's all sorts of things we can say about the colonialism of, of missionary work. I've never mm -hmm. done missionary work, but <laughs> I, I did go to a, a Jesuit school for undergrad. And, um, and I, you know, we had the, the fathers and the friars and the sisters teaching us or whatever. And, and we learned a lot about service leadership. Yes. Um, and that does lead to, to missions, but I did not go on a mission. <laughs> I did regular... <laughs> service leadership in my in my community um but a lot of times you know like i feel like that this makes me think about the um idea of leadership and and, and mm -hmm. obviously we you know we, we just recently met but i feel like we, we 
you know, we, 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 we've, we've been taught by some folks who, who think similarly, because yes. especially in the cannabis industry, you see some folks walking around or in the world, you know, you mm-hmm. see some folks walking around and they're just having their chest stuck out, puffed out. And they say, I'm a leader, like, go and mm-hmm. yell at people and, and tell folks what to do or whatever. Um, yes. And then you have other folks who are like, well, swear off. I am no leader. Oh no, you know, I just I'm just trying to do my own thing and I'm just yeah. trying to do what's right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people are like, what do I do? Where do I stand? And that people are trying, people were asking you where to stand. People were asking you to where to show up. And then you have that annoying person over there on the other side talk about I'm a leader. And I mean the easiest like pop culture re- reference I could think about is like yeah. fucking like uh, Rugrats. You know, was it like Angela or Angelique? What was it? Angelica. Angelica. She thought she was a leader. That's like that's like <laughs> our classic leaders in, in America in United States uh-huh. society, right? Uh-huh. The, wasn't the real leader like Tommy or something? Yes, that's right. Tommy was the real leader. That's real talk. Yeah, he didn't run around talking about. Ah, I do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like that's 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 what I really um feel like about it. What, what you were able to accomplish um, 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 down there in L.A. Because to be honest, you know, we have we have too many Angelicas, yes. you know, and not that you need to be a white man, baby, Tommy, but you need more Tommies, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and so in the whole story about just, you know, because you, you know, took the whole idea of service leadership, you know, like yeah. helping others as a way to help yourself and mm-hmm. seeing it through. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that um, that was so effective on the local level mm-hmm. that when we, 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 we span out and we start thinking about the federal level, yeah, we start thinking about um, what was it? November or December 2020 was it mm-hmm. last year when we had like that little I was like it's on fire everything's on fire and and the fire was that they were trying to pass a bill that yeah. would undo a lot of the work that the states had done that had already had um, adult use and equity programs and one of the most major issues was the felony exclusion right you know and so you have folks like you down down in Los Angeles doing the work Helping to win an extra hundred licenses, helping folks with, mm-hmm. with with felonies, you know, get access to these licenses, and then they want to come through on the federal level, you know, which would be supreme. And so then you can't have a state law that would be in conflict with that. And then be like, yep. federally, they're gonna be like, no felonies. But you're like, these folks have already sold their grandma's house. That part, <laughs> right? Yes. 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 And, and on a business, some of them started a business a little bit. You know, we know it's a struggle. So most folks are still struggling to get their business started. But those who have started the business, what happens when you make it federally illegal after it was yes. legally in the state side, where they got to sell it to a multi-state operator? You, you know, you're going to get paid out at least, right? So yes. that was crazy. So I, I think on the federal level, you know, as we get more states online, you know, that like you yourself as a, as an encyclopedia you, you know a lot you know like you uh you are you're you're like rosa you're like rosa parks you're like erin brockovich i'm trying to think of all my tv shows movies that 
you know, starting people who would. I do use it. that Aaron Brockovich in my head sometimes. I'll laugh. She's like, that is not okay. You know, because you saw something. You're like, no, no, not on my watch. Hey, so, uh, yeah, the affiliate network. Um, yeah, um, tell me about the, the affiliate network because in the, the hoodie creators uh -huh. affiliate network in its head, you know, it, it is it is it is uh bringing everyone together so we can have that what you call before trusted knowledge, mm -hmm. um, so that we can replicate the 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 magic that you were uh, you, you accomplished on Los Angeles. You bring together a bunch of magics people that are orchestrating what you did in um Los Angeles. Which we have so far with the crew that we got together. Um, yeah. And so, tell me, so tell me about the, the affiliate network and um and any ways uh -huh. this year from being a part of it that just utilizing um its resources or network. Yeah. You have been able to, to advance any of your local or state work or or whatever, if any. Yeah. Um, well, that that piece that you just said, right? Like, it goes back to the earlier conversation about how involved in politics that we actually have to be as business owners. Um, and that goes all the way to the national and the federal level. Um, if we're not tracking what's happening at that level, you're right. That one little one sentence that was hidden, like the tax part of the, of the bill was hit all extra deep. Um, mm -hmm. That one piece would have affected all of them brothers and sisters who I was saying, get out of the black, out of the illicit market and I'm going to help show you a pathway. I, I, I felt, and I bear the responsibility of sending them down a path um, that's, uh, you know, the pathway to hell because they're going to lose everything. And so that's a beautiful part about um, the hood incubator and the affiliate piece because this, I'm telling you, 60% of my day is spent on government relations and I, I have licenses that I need to operate. Um, and so to be able to connect in um, with other folks um, nationally, um, how the Hood Incubator organized that effort and pulled in the leadership um, from Chicago to New York, um, you name it, um, it has allowed us to replicate um, the work that we're doing, but then also to look at, you know, the national policies um, that affect us all, right? And how do we unify on that the same way that we were able to do that at the state and the local level. And so um, when you start to have this unification, as we said earlier, the results of what that took in less than a year, getting $50 million, what could we do unified at um, a national level? That's and, a bigger bank. Um, come on, man, a much bigger bank and a much needed bank. Um, and that's where we really start looking at reparative justice starts at that at the highest level. Um, and we cannot do it because we still have to organize. The same thing that I'm saying, we cannot be remiss to think that we can live just on social media and we can use technology in order to move um, legislation without us having millions of dollars. So the only way we can do that is with the people. Um, and it does require you know, an organization that will start fielding that, these communications and these conversations. We just had an amazing retreat in Chicago. Um, was, all of the Hood Incubator affiliates um, gathered. And, you know, we need mastermind groups. This is, this is, this is um, some, these, these things have oh, global and historical. I never thought about that. This is like a mastermind group. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So those days of being able to share, to support, and then to build and strategize um, and then to come with the blueprint that then we then go to our respective um, 
uh, areas and regions and build capacity and then come back together and then spread that out. Um, this is this is what is true movement. And what better industry than the cannabis industry to do this? And I couldn't I couldn't think of a more better time and place and commodity um, to make the stance on, especially for black people. Awesome. And, you know, I agree with I agree with everything. And I, I love your passion. And um, I was just thinking, you know, but this, you know, like this is uh, the high and mighty podcast for your, your political pop friend. So we've definitely have covered a lot of politics, but I don't know yeah. if the pop friends feeling like they've been covered yet. Um, so I, I've got some questions to uh, shift gears, as right. someone might say somewhere. Um, you've mentioned, and I've always, I've always thought about this. Um, you've mentioned before that you have what they call in the, the industry a CPG, um, <laughs> that consumer packaged good. Um, and mm-hmm. you were on the shelves of Whole Foods and you were on yes. over 300 shelves. I already know you're going to kick ass. Like you, you were already kicking ass. Like you could have stayed wherever you were doing, continue living your 300 stores um, 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 life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you made the transition. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But what I'm hearing is that you said you had drinks on the shelves of Whole Foods. And another yes. thing that I'm hearing, you know, um, sometimes when I get the opportunity to go to these, um, market research presentations, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're following the, 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 the data of, of what consumers are purchasing and seeing yes. that there's like great growth in edibles, particularly of the beverages. Yeah. Um, I'm just over here, you know, looking, looking over at you with questions and just waiting to know when I'm going to get the gorilla infused beverage yeah happening happening? hey that's happening i came into this industry to bring a beverage line that was my goal i I had a um, yeah i didn't didn't come here to do you you got sidetracked with the dispensary i got sidetracked like a mug on the dispensary let me tell you the dispensary and being a lobbyist you got sidetracked on the you got sidetracked on the beverage with being a dispensary owner and you got the sidetrack on the dispensary owner with being a lobbyist oh man that may that was it yeah um i had started off and uh my mother created a recipe gorilla life my daughter had asthma really bad when she was young it was a chlorophyll water um oxygenate your body made from the alfalfa she sweetened it with agave we used to call it heaven's lemonade it tasted so good and so as i was doing farmers markets and in a couple of the local health food stores i started going to this is back in 2007 into um some of the um dispensaries um the medical dispensaries and i was just trying to sell a green drink i'm like it's green, we green. Ah, yeah, <laughs> color on your get shelves, it? right? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no. I, like, yeah, I didn't no. even, you know, yeah, nah. Um, and I ran, and that's when I ran into Virgil Grant, a brother, um, oh, one of the few um, black Grant. people that, yeah. And CMA. I was just, CMA, yep, CMA. CMA. So I was just thinking, you know, so brother, let me get on your shelves, type of hookup thing. And he was like, oh, he was like, I make ice water hash. And I have these big five-gallon containers of hash water. Mm. He's like, and something's been telling me to save it. He's like, I always felt I didn't want to throw it away because it has all this THC. So I'm walking in there. He's like, look, why don't you try to mix it with your recipe and bring it back yeah. and tell me what, what it turns out? 
we did the iron we were mixing it up in the kitchen R&D. brought it back it was the bomb whipping whipping in the kitchen whipping in the kitchen so i go back to him everybody tries the people in the dispensary he was like yo i'll invest he was like i'll pay for all of the packaging so that was my first foray in the cannabis industry chronic tonic um was the drink. <laughs> chronic tonic. so you got you gotta bring so people been waiting for chronic time can i bring that people back been waiting for chronic tonic because i got in the whole foods in 2008 and back then cannabis wasn't legal legal and yeah. so i made the decision to to pause focus on um oh. fo- focus on the whole foods thing so 2017 when almost i was 10 years sudden, later almost 10 years later i'm hearing about it going legal i didn't even know about the social equity program i have my own manufacturing facility and i was going to get it licensed cannabis to do the drink when i was in whole foods in 2008 we were a first to market product and I was on the shelves when it was just like GT Synergy Kombucha. And I had shelf space in oh, the front. Shit. Yeah, I was, we were in the front of the raw food section with, with this. And there wasn't all these beverages on the market. Ten years later, the market is cloudy. All the Saturated. big companies are in there. And I'm like, wait a minute. I have a chance to be the first to market chlorophyll drink in cannabis. It's about to be legal. That's what motivated me to go inactive on the shelves because... I'm not silly. I thought I had a nine-month period of time because it was supposed to be legal January 1st, 2018. Mm. I'm like, all right, I'm going inactive on the shelves and I'm going to immerse myself for nine months in all things cannabis. If it doesn't work and I don't get a license in January, I go back on the shelves, right? Now, mind you, I'm a single mother of three kids. So this was a big decision. But once again, um, at that time, my youngest was uh six Ooh, at that okay. time so you know um, you got you got a full life oh yeah yeah i, I got i got young clip our next one was 11. um so uh i really went i went to oaksterdam i studied that's what how i really got immersed in it and um yeah I, I came in. I came in here to build a, a build a brand and to bring, bring a drink to market. And I just got involved and really saw first that the opportunities they have. They just opened up manufacturing. Um, I didn't have the opportunity for manufacturing. It was too hard to prove that I was selling product back in 2007. And so the only real opportunity was retail initially. Um, and so that's how I moved into retail. So yes. Um, Gorilla Life was the beverage. Gorilla RX was an infused line, hence the name of the brand, Gorilla RX. And we definitely um, will be coming out with our, our line of uh, first market infused chlorophyll waters, Gorilla RX beverages. Yes, yes coming okay. soon, summer two thousand twenty-two. Yay! So that's that's <laughs> that's that's Q three or yes. Q two. Q two next year. Yes. All right. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, and yeah. I can't wait for the next time I have to head out to, to L.A. because you said uh, if I fly into Los Angeles, then I can be 15 minutes um, to, to your place of, of, of operation. minutes. We have the largest supply of black owned brands, social equity brands. It's constantly growing. We have over 2000 SKUs coming from the um, food and beverage industry. I really wanted to make it feel like it was a health food store experience because that's what we want our community to look at it as um, it's alternative medicine, it's wellness. Um, yes, you can use it recreationally, but there's so many other uses. And so from your topicals to your beverages, to your pre-rolls, to your tinctures, um, 
you know, we have whatever you're looking for and, and at the best prices in a 20 mile radius. And that was really important. We wanted our community to feel comfortable mm. and get educated um, and, and, and get what they need to heal, heal their bodies. Well, man, I mean, this has been an, an, an amazing conversation. I've always heard um, have a, 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 a good time uh, uh, talking. Yes. Actually talking to you remind me of a couple of things I have on my list to do. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I'm glad uh, um, we were able to chat. Um, yeah. I just want to, before we close out, I just want to make yes. sure that um, folks know how to find you on the socials. Yeah. Wherever the websites, the socials, the yes. find you. Yeah. Um, well, you could definitely find us. Um, it'll be a treat to come down to 4233 Crenshaw Boulevard in the heart of Lamert Park in Los Angeles. 4233. You can check us out on Instagram at Gorilla RX Wellness. Um, if you want to follow what I'm doing, because I always love to share information, uh, I'm at Big Kika, K I K A. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, we're always in educating. We mentioned the training center, lifedevelopmentgroup.org um, is where you'll find um, ways that you can schedule a free consultation with us. And we always love to be a resource and referral for community members looking to get into this industry. Kika, uh, you continue to uh, be an inspiration, a leader. Uh, just thank you for 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 how you show up in the community and how you uh, go after your dreams. That's the first and foremost modeling, supporting yourself. That's, that's radical self-love, self-investment. Yes. So I appreciate that. But then also how you, you, you are able to do that. A lot of folks think you do something like that. All of a sudden you got to become some, some evil mm -hmm. Scrooge <laughs> yeah. type of person. Um, and, and you're living, breathing proof that that is 100% fake not true yes yeah you don't have to do that you can literally get yourself a license and 99 other folks yeah so with that i just want to thank you thanks for me so we appreciate your leadership as well hey hoodlums thanks for listening in just now we know you could have gotten the tea on anything but you chose cannabis justice here are three ways you can continue to support cannabis justice one follow or like us on the socials facebook instagram twitter at Hood Incubator. Two, share the podcast with your friends. And three, donate to us on our website, www.hoodincubator.org. And remember, hoodlums, stay high and mighty. Until next time, you're your host, Lenise. <laughs>